MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Most specifically, that makes this this week's Lister Mail segment. We end every episode by telling you numerous ways to get into contact with us because you are the most important part of this show. And we take some time every week to bring your messages to your fellow listeners. We've got we've got some weird ones here. So before we get started, there's a very important announcement, a trigger warning, a disclaimer. We are dealing with disturbing, very mature themes you will encounter descriptions of sexual violence in today's episode. So be warned, this may not be suitable for all audiences. This is something that many of you have been hearing in the news lately. Um, We've obviously been in a time 
that has been very challenging for a lot of folks in terms of the treatment of folks that are coming to this country from other countries. Um, and some of the rhetoric behind that has been very strong. And some of the physical treatment and the, you know, rounding up of children in camps and the notion of like, you know, images of, of kids being kept in cages and separated from their families and, you know, stuff that just has this, this real just nasty dystopian kind of feel to it. Um, and, and the story we're about to talk today is absolutely just an escalation of that uh, in the worst, most invasive way one could imagine. Essentially, and this is all based on a whistleblower complaint, and it is under investigation. So I think, Ben, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but most of this is still falling under the category of allegedly. Would you would you agree? So uh, let's let's get into that uh, a little further in Fair. depth. I would I say don't, I don't want to over caveat, but I just this is very sensitive stuff. The idea that the Department of Health and Human Services is investigating forced sterilizations, hysterectomies um, being performed on um, immigrants in detainment in a particular detainment center uh, in Georgia. Um, our 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 home state. Um, the uh, essentially a, a woman by the name of Dawn Wooten, who is a, a licensed a practical nurse, um, uh, submitted a 27 complaint and filed uh, by Project South and the Government Accountability Project um, earlier this week, um, saying that she had heard reports from women in this center where she's working, this uh, detainment center, saying that there had been a doctor coming around and essentially, without their permission, without consent, removing their uh, their uteruses, essentially, preventing them from ever having children. Right. This is something that many of our fellow listeners have written in uh, to ask us about, whether via social media, email, or our phone number. Uh, and there's uh, there's one email in particular that was very to the point about this, correct? That's right. It was Diana from Guatemala writing in just to say that uh, she loves the show and was hoping that we would consider doing an episode on the allegations of ICE detention centers forcibly sterilizing women. Um, I, I, I would agree, Ben, that this topic and a lot of the history that's wrapped up in this, because it's very triggering, uh, brings to mind a lot of historical precedents that we'll talk about um, in a bit. But I think that it's possible that, that this might, as, as we follow the story, see where it leads, it might be worth a, a larger discussion, a full episode. But um, for now, I think we can we can kind of start the conversation here. Um, so yeah, that, that, I mean, what we know this thus far is what I said, there is a, a nurse who was reporting these, these occurrences of women in this detention center being forcibly sterilized, um, having hysterectomies performed on them. And it came from women essentially coming to her and feeling comfortable and saying very matter of factly, you know, referring to this one particular doctor as the uterus man or something like that. Like, so there's some very, uh, very dark, macabre, almost tongue in cheek kind of nickname that they had for this gentleman. Maybe, maybe Ben, you, you saw that. I think I heard that on NPR and I, I'm, forgive me if I'm not getting it quite right, but it, it, she heard it from others. Heard it from multiple people. Yeah, the uterus collector. That's right. Thanks, Doc. Um, the uterus collector uh, is what this this gentleman's nickname was. Um, ben, what do we know about this doctor? 
Uh, so we know several several pieces of confirmed information about this doctor, Dr. Mahindra Amin, A-M-I-N. Uh, Dr. Amin is the number one person accused by Wooten of conducting these forced non-consensual hysterectomies. A hysterectomy is, uh, in these situations, um, it is a permanent procedure. It's not like vasectomy. You know what I mean? You can't uh, realign the tubes and allow someone to enter the reproductive population once again. That is why this is largely considered, when proven, an, an indication of eugenics, of genocide. It, it qualifies as a war crime. Uh, this doctor is not an OBGYN. We know that. A spokesperson for the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology told the Daily Beast that uh, this doctor was not board certified. Being board certified is typically a voluntary thing, a voluntary certification medical professionals take. Uh, this doctor did not do it. Uh, it did not in any way impede this doctor from conducting these alleged and again, non-consensual hysterectomies. Uh, this is really recent news, by the way. We're recording this episode on September 21st of uh, the Whistleblower report came out in September, just earlier this month, and it's close to home for the stuff they don't want you to know family here because it occurred, I guess we do have to say allegedly, it occurred at the Irwin County Detention Center in Georgia, which is a private entity. So uh, please check out our earlier work on the problem with privatized prisons. Now, this this doctor who's who's received the the brunt of these accusations uh, denies it, um, and his lawyer made a statement saying that he looks forward to all the facts coming out. The accusations uh, are going to be fully um, investigated by an independent office. However, ICE itself also disputes any of the implications that detainees are being used uh, for. And and this is the interesting. Uh, somewhat telling um, part of the quote here, experimental medical procedures. I mean, at its heart, a um, hysterectomy or, or a um, this type of sterilization isn't really an experimental medical procedure. It's, it's one that's, you know, very standard. Uh, I think it's interesting language. That's all I'm saying. Um, and, and I do want to, in a little bit, talk about the history of um, government in the United States ordering experimental medical procedures that often affect people who are in minorities or people of color. Um, but Matt, you, you had mentioned um, looking up some stats about laws surrounding this kind of thing in various parts of the country. Yes, I, I want to talk about the history in the U.S. of laws that would essentially equate to sterilization abuse, really, is what it would be. Um, sterilizing someone against their will for a reason that the state has deemed would be appropriate. Um you, you have to go back to 1907 in Indiana when a law was passed there that was it was very much based on eugenics and uh, essentially granting the right to sterilize someone that was seen not fit to be a part of the gene pool. Someone with a low IQ, I believe, is then there were terms that were established that were associated with these different folks, correct? There were. And it began there in Indiana in 1907, and then it trickled out into 30-plus other states within the United States. And with all of those laws that 
you know, went out there into the States around, at least according to CNN, around 60,000 people were sterilized in procedures that would qualify as being compulsory or forced mm. sterilizations. Mm. Um, the majority of whom were women, by the way, uh, or if you want to say the majority of whom had female biological sex, uh, given the misogyny of the time. I think it's also important to point out that the Nazi government yes. took the results of this, took the statistics here from this practice that went on for decades and used that data as a rationalization or in their mind an indication that non-consensual sterilization was both feasible and humane in the great mission to mold humans into whatever uh, giving government's ephemeral idea of what a quote-unquote good person is supposed to be. Uh, this is something that should be very close to home to everyone listening to this show, or if this is a YouTube clip, to this YouTube clip. Forcible sterilization is occurring not just in the U.S., but in multiple parts of the world. We've talked at length about the uh, ongoing mistreatment of uh people who are on the wrong side of the North Korean regime or government. We've also talked about ethnic minorities in the PRC in China. Uh, people are being forcibly sterilized, and they're being forcibly sterilized because we are, we are past the point of the 1930s. We are past the point of Unit 731 in World War II or the atrocities of the Nazi party. Forced sterilization is never an accident. Forced sterilization at, at scale is by design, and it is a by design shot like an arrow through the air toward a very specific goal or target. And that target is ultimately the eradication of a certain population based on their ethnicity, based on their perceived difference from a dominant majority. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we've seen that throughout history. Like, Matt, the research that you're referring to in the, the really disgusting part of our history as a country uh, started off being white men that were being forcibly sterilized, by and large. Uh, and they, they applied terms like feeble-minded or unfit to be part, like you said, unfit to be part of the gene pool. And it was mentally a form defective. of eugenics. That's right, mentally defective. But then uh, it became much more focused from 1937 to 1966, by the way, yikes, it was black women who were most likely to be forcibly sterilized by the government. Um, and, you know, desegregation was happening. Um, you know, th there was a sense of like, how do we shadow ban these people and keep them from, you know, reproducing? Uh, there's no other way around it. Um, it was absolutely based on racism and stereotypes around quote unquote mental fitness, you know, uh, to, to be part of society. And we are, look, I don't want anyone to accuse us of jumping the gun or being alarmist about this one isolated case of this potentially rogue doctor who may not have even done these things. You know, he's denying it. We'll let the facts fall where they may. But guys, I mean, we were talking a little bit off mic and it sure feels like this has intention behind it. Well, yeah, when there are clear historical examples that you can point to of the same thing happening or very, very similar things happening, it certainly lends it to feel at least as though there's more credence to the claims, even if they are as of yet unproven. 
that's certainly the way it feels with this. Um, although this is a topic that I think everyone is going to feel strongly about. And I would say 99% of people would be against this. I certainly hope so. But it it feels as though something that is pulling at our emotional heartstrings. So I would just say personally, it makes me feel a bit cautious. Um, In what just sense? A, just, just a bit when thinking about perhaps there's something more at play here. Um, I, I think we have to keep that option open until there it's proven. Um, right. it, and I would just say there has to be some kind of internal investigation or third party investigation to, to see yeah. if any of these claims are true. Yeah. That's the, that's one of the issues. One thing I respect about our whistleblower here, uh, Ms. Wooten, if you are listening is that there's not hyperbolic language in the report. It's a 27 page report which you can find online. And in that, uh, Wooten, is, Wooten is clearly saying this occurs in the Irwin Detention Center. There are no sensationalistic nor alarmist claims about some sort of countrywide or nationwide sterilization initiative. And you're right, we have to be careful about the court of public opinion. Because one problem with the court of public opinion is that it doesn't care whether it's right or wrong. Because, you know, you print the headline one week, you print the retraction on page 32 the next week, right? But this is fundamentally, if it occurs, an unclean thing. Now, there's a great argument to be made, or a valid argument to be made, that even in the realm of medicine, mistakes can happen, right? Let's not forget that there are people who are lauded surgeons, medical professionals in their field, and even they have, for one doofy, innocent reason or another, accidentally sewn someone up and left, <laughs> like left a surgical instrument in them, right? Uh, what I'm saying is mistakes happen, but this is a very, if all of this is true, and there is copious eyewitness, you know, evidence or hearsay about this, if all of this is true, then that's a very, very specific kind of mistake to make over a, a very widespread amount of a population. You know what I mean? Like you can, you, you can plausibly, you, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, um, you can plausibly fall into someone and bump them if you're walking by, right? You can lose your balance. But if you continue doing that, and every person that you, quote, accidentally fall into has strong demographic similarities, and eventually you have to ask, is this person really falling? Are they really making a mistake? Or are they pushing these people? And I'm not at all equivocating the gravity of those things. Pushing someone on the street because you're a jerk is a lot different from removing someone's ability to reproduce, effectively ending their genetic lineage on this planet. But that, to be clear, if these allegations are true, that is what we are talking about. Yeah. Well, and not, and not to o get overly political about it, but um, uh, our amazing producer, um, Doc, pointed out off air that a lot of the folks that, you know, are supporting some of these camps, you know, they're, they're, they consider themselves pro-life people, which is just an interesting thing to consider. I, I don't know. Again, I don't want to be too divisive here. Um, we don't know all the facts yet, but if 
that is if this is if this is being pushed by some of these individuals, I would find that to be a very uh, extreme example of hypocrisy. Yeah, I you know I'm sorry I don't mean to come off as though I'm not believing our whistleblower here. Um, that that is certainly not what I'm saying. I think I I can sense how infuriated I am by the possibility that this is true and. Ooh. I I'm trained myself and I think a lot of us have to almost fight those feelings a little bit to try and remain a little more level headed. Sure. So I'm I'm going to um read something from the CNN article. It's a quote from Alan Kraut, a an immigration historian and professor with American University. Um he says without evidence, I really hesitate to say yeah, they're probably doing sterilizations just the way they used to in the 1920s. I'm not willing to say that. That's a really heavy-duty accusation, he says. And I think we should all be asking, is there any evidence of this? Not just rumor, not just he Ooh. said, she said, but an investigation. There needs to be an investigation of who's been mistreated, how they've been mistreated, and whether or not there's anything to this, because it is extremely, extremely serious. Right. It does not It does not look good. You no, know, I want to get in front of something really quick here. Matt, first off, I don't think you're in any way disparaging anybody here. I think we're being very fair about this. And I would like to also point out one of the immediate questions is why would someone get a hysterectomy, right? That's something that I think we skipped over, but I I just want to be clear on this part. One of the big reasons that someone would Uh, be advised by their doctor to get a a hysterectomy would be suffering from the condition known as endometriosis. It's it's a fairly common condition, and it's not very well understood. We know that it can strike uh, women of any socioeconomic class or race or age or whatever categorical filter you want to put on there. Uh, Between 10 to 20 percent of women in the U.S. of childbearing age have endometriosis. So they're, the thing is, that's not like a contagious disease. You know what I mean? It's not like COVID. Like if you're trapped in a prison uh, where COVID is rampant, then you're probably going to get it. But if you're imprisoned with people who have endometriosis, it doesn't mean you're going to get it too. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not as if... Um, the, these doctors are attempting to combat something that is spreading in the, once again, deplorable conditions in which these people are being imprisoned. I'm using the word imprisoned instead of detained. I don't have a problem with that. As a matter of fact, I think detained is uh, a little dishonest at this point. Certainly with euphemistic. That, yeah, yeah. With that being said, what we can see happening, I would argue here, are three or four potential avenues for the future. First, uh, perhaps with the best of intentions, this whistleblower turns out to be incorrect. Uh, on balance, that would be a good thing because it would mean that forcible sterilization is not occurring. Uh, and our second path would be it is confirmed in part, right? Some people have had this procedure done without their consent. For one reason or another. Uh, the third would be, I'm getting increasingly dystopian here, the third would be confirmation that it's not only happening at Irwin, but it's happening at other detainment centers. The fourth would be that the story gets buried and becomes something that's talked about less and less. And that's that's frightening because consider that 
um, over, I think, the course of 1930 to 1970, like a third of uh, people who were biologically sexed female in, in Puerto Rico were sterilized forcibly. This is not science fiction. This is not some sort of um, some sort of cutesy, kitschy, supervillain in a Bond movie thing. This is real. This is happening, at least in history, and at least currently in other parts of the world. The big question is whether it's happening in the U.S. as well. If you want to do a little more digging into some of the really uh, horrific past that we we sometimes forget. Remember that range I was talking about earlier, 1966? That's not that long ago. I mean, our parents... The, the, were, some of those laws weren't repealed until the 70s. Exactly. And these things were actively happening in the in the late, mid to late 60s. Um, you, you can dig into this horrific history yourselves. Um, and we've actually done episodes on it on this very show uh, on some of these experiments against the black community in particular, like Henrietta Lacks, um, the Tuskegee experiments, and the father of gynecology, um, which is a particularly horrific story, Marion Sims, who, you know, has an incredibly checkered past uh, and uh, really kind of fine-tuned some of these methods that are used today uh, by experimenting without anesthesia on um, black women. So, you know, there's a horrific past, even in something as simple as gynecology. And you can find those episodes if you just look up stuff that I want you to know, human experimentation, um, stuff that I want you to know, immortality. Um, that uh, talks about uh, Henrietta Lacks and her fascinating genome and the way that, that was used without her consent. Um, so there's really a lot that goes into this and a lot more digging to do. And I do think this is a story we're going to continue to follow and, and possibly do a, a longer deep dive episode into in the future. Yes. And we will return after a quick word from our sponsor. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. And from here, we're going to jump to a call that we got from an anonymous person about a subject uh, that you're going about. You're about to find out uh, what it is. Let's just listen. Hey, uh, I think I got something for you guys. Um, it's about uh, it, it's a virus uh, or malware called Eternal Blue. Um, there was a group called the Shadow Brokers that actually broke into the uh, NSA and, and released uh, Eternal Blue, uh, became known to a bunch of people. And Microsoft today, three years later, has yet to find a permanent fix for it. They release patches, but it continues to be a thing. Uh, people still use it to this day. And I'm just wondering if you guys uh, might want to take a look into it and see why Microsoft has still not found a good fix for it. Uh, All right. Have a good day, guys. Oh, this is a good one. Anonymous caller. Right, Matt? This is an anonymous one? Yes. As far as I can tell, unless there's some kind of secret code within, um, within the zeros and ones there. Oh, I love it. Okay, yeah. So it's a it's kind of a live by the sword, die by the sword. 
sort of thing because the NSA created this. Uh, this is like this is the equivalent of uh, stealing a top secret military craft and then having it fly around cities uh, with nobody on the ground being able to stop it. Uh, it's it's strange because if we talk a little bit about how it works without getting too in the weeds, you can read all this now. Uh, everybody understands kind of how this thing works or what it does. What Microsoft doesn't understand yet, years on, is how to stop it from doing what it likes to do. Uh, there's a vulnerability in SMB or server message block protocol. And that is what Eternal Blue exploits. Part of the reason, arguably, that Microsoft is not yet 100% uh, able to combat this is that the NSA got one of their secrets stolen. So they didn't tell Microsoft about it when it got <laughs> stolen. That's like, like, imagine if we were in charge of werewolves and we didn't want anybody to know. And so werewolves got loose. And we're like, we could save people's lives, but then everybody would know we had werewolves. No. And we spent years saying, maybe they'll just think they're coyote attacks. It's not a good look. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny too, even in the reporting about it, 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 it uses the word leaked rather than stolen, which I think is telling in and of itself. It's almost like the uh, the onus is not on the NSA for having lost something or having been infiltrated. It was some bad actor from within the organization that purposefully leaked it to try to humiliate them or something. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it turns out it's basically a weaponized line of code that uh, operates in the same way that other lines of code in the Microsoft operating system are. And, and, and it's essentially welcomed into the ecosystem. And then it does just what you said, very effectively um, exploits this weakness in in that protocol and uh, what what's the outcome ben what's the desired like is it about stealing information is it about just jacking up people's computer experiences like what's the goal here and what have people been experiencing when when they're infected by this uh this malware well specifically it can freeze computers on mass uh it can disrupt uh like it can disrupt infrastructure services i think in 2019 there's a pretty great new york times article about this uh that details how baltimore was brought to a screeching halt by eternal blue water bills couldn't be sent out health alerts real estate sales were disrupted it's strange because the good people of baltimore pay their taxes and their taxes were used to create this this thing eternal blue uh, and what did you say, Matt? It was 2017 they lost control of the tool? Yeah, it was April It was April 2017, I guess, when it was leaked. So 2017, uh, there have been patches, as you said, Anonymous. There have been multiple patches released. But the problem is once this thing got out into the world, other, uh, other capable state actors started deploying it, using it to their advantage. Uh, because really what it does is it allows you to manipulate this flaw in how how these servers work uh, and this such that you are able to remotely execute any code you wish. And when you say this isn't just like some script kitties off one of the chans, 
What I mean is North Korean government-paid hackers have been using this. Uh, They used it in the WannaCry ransomware attacks, which might be familiar to some people. Yeah, and it's crazy, too, because the NSA has has essentially disavowed this whole thing. They've never actually actively said, yeah, that was us. Oops, sorry. Um, Even though Microsoft has attributed it to the NSA um, and this group of, I guess, hackers, uh, the Shadow Brokers, um, released this in a series of releases. This was the fifth of a series of releases of supposed NSA tools, um, and, and we still don't know who the shadow brokers are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as agencies like this tend to do, they, they're not exactly going to apologize. And like you said, Ben, it's, it was it's more in their best interest just to leave it be, let somebody else take credit for it. But one thing I thought was interesting, too, is that Eternal Blue, I believe, was first the name for the vulnerability in Windows, and then Eternal Blue, the malware, was named after the vulnerability. And I, I don't know if this is the case, but I kind of picture it. Remember the blue screen of death? You know, when your computer just all of a sudden goes catatonic, and it's just that was a, exclusively a Microsoft thing. I've never really seen it on a on a Mac, but I, I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just asking if you guys maybe have heard. I've not heard. All of this makes me want to talk to Jonathan Strickland because I fully don't understand some of the stuff that's happening here in the research (laughs) or in the words that I am attempting to synthesize and then spit back out at everybody here. Um, I, I think I'm just a bit lost on whether or not eternal blue was the, was the exploit within the system was the update, the security update or was something else. Um, Cause I know I understand WannaCry, which was, ransomware that was built to exploit the problem that was Mm. that eternal blue was causing but my mind just i apologize uh maybe you're feeling this way out there my mind just can't wrap around some of this well think about it this way okay the the way to explain it i i think maybe through comparison or metaphor is this imagine that microsoft windows is a human body and the way this body was built, unintentionally, it has a hole in the gut. And so they would start referring to this as the hole in the gut, right? And then someone said, hey, I figured out a way to, for some insidious reason, poke my finger in that hole in the gut because I'm, I'm a bad person. And then everybody start, just starts calling that move hole in the gut. So that's what Eternal Blue That's kind of how, that's like the etymology of it. Because you're right, Noel, it was a a system vulnerability in Windows OS. So Eternal Blue is the exploit itself. Eternal Blue is the exploit, and its name is a reference to the vulnerability. Got it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That, that's, that, that is a little confusing for sure. Got it. Um, that, that, and, that does help. And, and it was the WannaCry, you know, thing that brought this more to public attention because that was uh, a bit more of a high profile thing that, that made some news. But it had been being used for quite some time before, uh, you know, it was it was leaked in 2017. So. It, it, you know, people had kind of figured out how to use it properly, but, you know, Microsoft, but the NSA rather, like you said, Ben, uh, had chosen just to kind of sit on their, their hands when they probably, you know, if let's say there's a new poison that's making the rounds and killing people off and the poison maker, rather than having the power to release an antibody or an antivenom or whatever, just says, ah, just let them, let them die off. And then we don't want to bring too much attention to ourselves. But the NSA absolutely probably could have helped 
at the very least, helped Microsoft create more effective patches. Because I think the mm. throw here of the story is that Microsoft still doesn't fully know how to deal with it. Right. I mean, that's again, it's state secrecy. There's a cost-benefit analysis here. If everybody knows we have werewolves, then what's the point of having werewolves? We lose the advantage. So think about how many operations, many likely illegal, uh, the NSA would have compromised by assisting with this. Hmm. Which is not, you know, I'm not, don't have any proof on that. I'm just saying there's logic that we can walk through here. The uh, latest news I have on the NSA side of it is that earlier this month, they just checked in and they said they have no information on their ongoing probe into the identity of the shadow brokers. So they still haven't, they still say they haven't identified them. Yeah. Um, and just to give some some context, as late as May of 2019, this exploit was still being exploited uh, by by people with nefarious ideas and, and goals. Um, the city of Baltimore, according to the New York Times in May of 2019, got large sections of their infrastructure shut down because their computers that were hooked up to things um, like health alerts to water bills, real estate sales, uh, e- e- like internal email servers within this, the local government there, they all got shut down because this exploit was used to, to mess with computers and, and cause them to be non-functioning. Um, this really intense that that was still happening in 2019. It is confounding that there isn't some kind of fix or complete just redo of the operating system. <laughs> I have a proposition. Hmm. What if uh, what if there's a bit of PR mixed in here, right? Everybody, for a few years, every many people in the industry and in the intelligence world were attempting to identify the shadow brokers, right? It's kind of like the search for the creator of Stuxnet. There may be an open secret that nobody's officially saying, we know who created it. Uh, Or it may be like um, the polonium poisonings, right? That is definitely to send a message. There's PR there. So what if, and this is conspiratorial, I have no proof here, what if the shadow brokers are actually the NSA? What if the NSA is hunting for itself because this is a powerful statement you know if they are if they're making a comment then what a flex because if you know the nsa created this and furthermore if you think the nsa somehow purposefully leaked it then your next step is to be very frightened of the stuff they decided not to leak again no proof and the biggest argument against this i would say is um is found in how Eternal Blue was deployed in the Baltimore uh, example we've mentioned a couple times now in other examples like ransomware that is affecting private individuals. And and I would say also things that are affecting U.S. businesses. We have a very pro-business government here in the U.S., very pro-private industry. So if you are the NSA and you do want to do this flex and it's an open secret that you did it, Admitting that puts you on the hook for like $400 million in losses for FedEx, $670 million in losses for Merck. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't, even if you perpetrated this kind of 
software falls flag, you could never admit it. You would be buried under the court. Wait, wait, nope, you're the NSA. (laughs) Yeah. Probably still shouldn't admit it. For the record, I don't think it was the NSA. We've talked about this before. These organizations are huge. They're not monolithic, though. It could easily be a, a disgruntled group of employees, a faction. I mean, one of the craziest things that more people should be talking about in the, this murky genre of intelligence is that Uncle Sam has a very hard time hiring the kind of hackers, black hat and white hat alike, that it needs because... Uh, <laughs> The funny story is, and no judgment on anyone for this, the funny story is that one of the reasons they're having a bad, a tough time hiring people at the federal level is because a lot of these people are pro-marijuana and they can't kick past the security. No, I thought they, they, they loosened those because they, they, they were not having any luck hiring those. I thought, I, mean, I remember that story being out and they sort of laxed those, uh, those rules a little bit because they weren't getting competitive people that were competitive with uh, the folks that were actually doing the stuff, you know, from what I understand, they loosened, but they didn't completely do away with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Cause I mean, that's the thing about hackers, right? Like they're, they're very independent. I mean, they're, they, they sort of like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm being naive, but like the idea of hacker to me is someone who lives outside of the realm of like, you know, society and is like some kind of maverick and going their own way and just trying to, um, be independent and do things that follow their own set of rules. There's sort of a code, uh, as opposed to programmers, you know, who are a little different, but you know, uh, yeah, to get someone who's legitimately an established hacker, who's got the chops to compete with these folks, you're going to have to hire someone that's maybe not your typical government shill. Agreed. I mean, I think I speak for a lot of us in the crowd today when I say that when you think of hackers, of course, you have to think of the uh, breathtaking 1995 Triumph of Cinema, love it. Known as Hackers, so classic piece of work. I just feel like at this point we're obligated to put in a pop culture reference to make this stuff less depressing mm-hmm. uh, and and frightening. But to your point, Matt, with this, and and to your point, anonymous caller, it sounds like there's not. It sounds like there's not a solution. Uh, it sounds like whomever has let this out into the world, even if that person is. Even if that group, if the shadow brokers are identified and go to court and go to jail or go, excuse me, go to prison or something like that, it's already out there. Too many other people have this now. And until there is a solid fix, there's absolutely no reason to think these these attacks won't continue. You know what I mean? Every city could be Baltimore now. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? I actually just searched news by date. People are still talking about Eternal Blue right now because you're right, it is still occurring and it is, there are computer, large swaths of computers getting shut down still in 2020 due to this thing. I did not realize that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's active. I would ask our fellow conspiracy realists in the audience, what, uh, especially if you have expertise in this field, what do you think the future is for Eternal Blue? What do you think the future is for these exploits? What other news do you think is going to hit the mainstream here? This is interesting, the, the industry of hacking. You know, uh, the, the government of China does something very clever with their, uh, with their asymmetrical warfare, with the, the bot armies you hear mm-hmm. about. We did some shows about this in the past. Those folks are technically just patriots. 
Think about that. They're just so motivated by their ideology uh, that they are choosing to hack. This gives the uh, government of China a succulent kind of plausible deniability. The umami of saying, we didn't tell them to do that. Uh, I think we can see a similar strategy playing out in in the future. But also, what's he building in there? Tom Waits' reference. It makes me wonder what else the NSA has up their sleeves in their top hat. Yeah, we'll find in out in about 20 years or so. They don't have yeah. to have anything in their top hat. They just have a, a plug that is all the stuff that you're looking at, and it goes into their system and it records it. And they've got one of those for every human being on the planet, or at least in this country. <laughs> oh, and uh, by the way, I'm glad you said that, Matt. Uh, by the way, it's been a long time. Shout out to Steve, our NSA intern, who has hey, to man. watch and listen to all these things. I uh, hope school's going well, Steve. Um, and then also, uh, uh, you know, let us know. If ever was there was a time to break your vow of silence, man, why not 2020? Uh, I'm sure this episode is hilarious to everybody in the NSA listening. They're like, <laughs> oh, my God, Eternal Blue. That was back in – we made that in, like, 1986. Surely they've made Steve a full agent by now, right? He's got to be pushing 40. No. Really? No, Intern they, they for life? Always a bride? Yeah. Never – wait, bridesmaid, never a bride? No, not – man, I'm he, sorry, Steve. That he sucks. loves weed way too much. I think. <laughs> Steve, right. we all know you're high right now. Yeah. It's okay, Steve. I mean, that's kind of what this whole thing is about. Yeah. And we appreciate you being there for us. It's okay, Steve. I'm high too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that, uh, what do you say? Take a quick break and then we come back for a little more listener mail. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. 
In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back in more ways than one. Uh, What do we mean by being back on multiple levels? We mean that our YouTube channel is back. YouTube.com slash conspiracy stuff spelled the way it sounds. We've got a new format of videos uh, that you may be familiar with now. Uh, We've got more stuff coming out in the future. But we have something we'd like to share for you now in a rapid fire way. And that is the golden halcyon oh. world of YouTube comments that yes. rarefied air. Oh, oh my f- man. My favorite part, favorite part, Matt, had always been when someone would make a very excellent salient point about, you know, the transition of the gold standard and the interwar years. And then I would respond to them with, you know, like, oh, all right, uh, uh, sloppy dingleberry 420 XX. That's a great point about <laughs> shifting uh, between one financial medium to another. So what we thought we would do is just give you a cavalcade, real quick read of some of the YouTube comments that we have enjoyed on our recent videos. Yes. Uh, and we're going to start with one uh, off of, oh Lord, which video is this? This is the COVID-19 ghost ship tour video. And Fiddling While Rome Burns says, uh, he's citing me talking at 103, and he says, You can see Spain from Dorset, apart from a thousand miles of French mainland blocking the view. The Earth would have to be flat to see something like that far away on the horizon. Definitely something they don't want you to know. Um, Fiddling While Rome Burns, uh, you... 
my friend are absolutely right because it is France and not Spain and I misspoke and I was wrong and I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. Matt, give yourself 30 <laughs> lashes. I know, uh, but, it is, but it is true. So kudos to uh, a salient, scathing, and funny comment on YouTube. Uh, I'm tackling ones from the clip about the ghost of Gibraltar, which was your story, Matt. And uh, let's see. First, we've got, let's see. I've never seen these guys, although I've listened to them for years. Lol. I always imagined Ben as a guy in a black FBI type cap and sunglasses. And that's not that far off. Partially hidden in the shadows for some reason. Uh, Glad to see him as a regular human. Lol. Okay. Uh, you know, Ben, you, you, you vacillate between exactly what she described and said regular human, I have to say. I, I assure you he is not a regular human. <laughs> regular. Everyone. He's not a regular anything. He's extraordinary. No. Uh, okay, bro, they have returned um, uh, at the turn of the tide. Uh, you, you, you got that right. That's from user The Conspiracist. Then we've got one from Phantom Claw, a name that I really love, uh, talking about the story of, of the ghost of Gibraltar. This is one sad ghost story, but at least it has some kind of happy ending. Uh, to find out what that happy ending is, listen to the episode or watch the YouTube video. Um, let's see. Here, one, one last one for me for Ghost of Gibraltar uh, from Roger Scott Cathy. I remember reading somewhere that there was a mystery regarding how a certain animal on the rock got there, but it was difficult to account for their presence and the tunnels came up. Think they were apes, maybe the Barbary apes that they migrated via the tunnels. Matt, did you run into anything about Barbary apes migrating through the tunnels of Gibraltar in your research? Oh yeah, totally. A ton of it. And I, I just forgot to add it in for time. So I'm sorry. So many apes, so little time. So we here are, um, I'll just, if it's all right, I'll just round out a couple before we end the show. Uh, shout out to Tate Van Cleve, who responded to our uh, our YouTube clip on mass hysteria and the screaming girls of Malaysia. Tate, you raise an excellent point when you say, I think five to 10 years ago, I read of something similar, meaning mass hysteria. Well, just check out the episode. I read of something similar happening in South America, Brazil or Guatemala, perhaps. I think it was somewhere between seventh and ninth grade. A group of girls used a Ouija board and they literally had to bring in several Catholic priests to do a mass exorcism because madness was spreading from girl to girl, where a total of approximately 50 or so young girls were exhibiting similar symptoms. I saw another commentator trying to implicate Israel. Islam as being the problem, but like I said, other similar instances in South America occurred where the kids were Catholic or Christian. If one of the other commenters is correct and this was a result of them messing around with the Ouija board, then I would say that would be the common factor in the similar incidents and not their chosen faith. Well, that and they were both young females, approximately the same age, but I'm not going to attempt to make that correlation. I like my ass just the way it is. We'll cut that last one. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Do you want to leave it in? I was just, I'm sorry. I was just laughing at the way you said it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a pretty fascinating point because we have to remember that other examples of similar outbreaks occur and they don't all occur in the Muslim world. You know what I mean? There's a wealth, there's a rich ecosystem of intervening variables there. And uh, someone else, Holden Robbins, says, seems like attention-seeking behavior. If you live in a repressive society, I probably get a kick out of going nuts with everyone else. Uh, and then, you know, it's it's interesting because there's a um, there's a running thread for these videos uh, regarding the use of a Ouija board. So let us know. Do you think do you think the Ouija board is the 
is the way to, to pierce the veil between the living world and the world of the dead? Is it a mass marketed board game? Anyhow, uh, um, they've got one other one uh, from Kim Jong-un. We have a video called, Is Kim Jong-un in a Coma? And shout out to Kim Jong-un, who responded on YouTube saying, yes. I'm not in a coma. <laughs> Classic is it, is Kim a, Jong. Oh, he's joshing around. Is it a picture of Kim Jong-un or oh, yeah. a picture of Kim Jong-il? Oh, it is ill. I think you're right, dude. Yeah. See? It, uh, it, I don't know. It's a picture of ill, but the 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 screen name was Un. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, curiouser and curiouser. Uh, wait, Ben. No, no. I have one more in here. That I only read one comment. There's one I had to get to. Uh, it's it's from the same one, the COVID nineteen ghost ship tour. Oh no, did I did I already lose it? No, cat on crack says I will let the strange news stuff slide for these short YouTube videos. But what's up with Australia and North Korea, Ben? I believe you had flags for both of these countries, or a you had a map of Australia, perhaps, and a flag of North Korea. How do you respond? Well, cat on crack. Thank you so much for uh, that astute and rather pointed question. <laughs> That's our show for today. <laughs> Love it. Of course. Love it. Of course. That's our show for today. Thanks so much, everyone, uh, for tuning in. We want you to be a part of our next episode in our future listener mail segments. We want you to find us on youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. We want you to find us on the internet until we get black bagged or eternal blued or whatever happens, happens. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. That's right. You can find us in all those places on Facebook. If you wish, you can join our uh, Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. That's a fun place to hang out with all your fellow conspiracy realists. Uh, all you got to do is name a name, any name, not any name, but a name that, that, that implies recognition of what the show is or, you know, just a good sense of humor, just a general interest in uh, critical thinking approaches to conspiracy theories. And then you're in lots of fun stuff there. Uh, you can also give us a call. We have a telephone number, one eight three three std W-Y-T-K. Um, give us a call and you may be featured on this very episode. Not this one because it's over, but you know, future installments of, of the listener mail edition of stuff that I want you to know that is now coming at you weekly. Please let us know uh, if you would like us to hold back your name or if maybe you don't even want us to use your audio at all uh, on the show. But we would love to. So let us know if that's OK with you. And yes, if you're listening to this and only listening to this and you're not on the YouTube channel yet, please head on over to youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff to check out all the new things we're posting there. Uh, it's a lot of us talking, uh, but in the future, you may see some other things, some callbacks, some things that you're really looking for. We shall see. It's true. But if you ever wanted to see a floating head connected to these voices in your ears, you can do that right now over at youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. Right. And if you don't want to do any of those things, you still want to contact us. We have a good old fashioned email. It is conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good but be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.